Welcome to Before You Were Born. Harry and Nash with you here on the airways. Harry. How you doing, man? I'm very excited to be here speaking about history, oh. which is great. Now, oh. for those of you that have just <laughs> tuned in for the first time ever, welcome. Thanks for coming. Yes. And Harry, what do we do on this show? What do we do? We speak about this week in history. So this week, of course, is from the 17th to the 23rd of April. Yep. We speak about the highs, the lows, and the downright ridiculous. Well, that's that's 100% correct, because the stories that we're exploring this week, I don't know about you, but mine is definitely ridiculous. Have you heard what happened on the 17th of April, 1961? I'm going to go with no. No, okay. Well, this has even got a ridiculous name, okay? So, <laughs> this is the invasion of the Bay of Pigs. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking maybe too much pork on your fork, that type of vibe. Is that where we're going uh, with this? Not quite. You know, funnily enough, it has nothing to do with pigs, but um, okay, okay. unless you count, you know, the American Secret Service as being pigs. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. Getting right into it. Uh, yeah, anyway. You, what, we, <laughs> yeah. What, what are you exploring? I'm exploring uh, the Boston Marathon. So that was oh. created in this week in history, but we're yeah. actually heading to one person that was part of the Boston Marathon in 1980, the 21st of April. She actually won the marathon, Rosie Ruiz. Oh, okay. I'm going to speak a bit about her because she's pretty. She's a pretty exciting person. Wow, okay. A All lot right. of conspiracies around her. A lot of eyebrows being raised here in the studio. Everywhere <laughs> they're being raised. Um, so well, it's, it's a big week. Yeah, we're going to find out all about the Bay of Pigs and Rosie Ruiz right after we... Cue the intro. I have a thing. Good evening and welcome to television. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Let's go back to a time before you were born. Welcome back to Before You Were Born. Now, Nash, you're speaking about this little bay that is housed to many pigs. Yeah. Sort of? Sort of. Or the CIA, one of the two. Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> okay, tell me about the Bay of Pigs. Well, before I tell you about the Bay of Pigs, I want to set the scene, set some context for you. So let me take you back to around a little a little year called 1952. Oh, what a year. I'm going to close my eyes for this bit just so I can picture it. Okay, okay I'm, so I'm ready. In 1952, mm. Cuba is yeah. falls under the reign, under the you know, tyrannical reign of Batista, right? So Batista was this like horrible dictator. I think it's funny. What's funny is that we're yet to come across a nice dictator in history, right? <laughs> I think that's why they're called dictators uh, for the you know beginning of the word. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Batista is this dictator, and he was ruling over Cuba from 1952 right through until 1959. And what's crucial about uh, Batista is that, along with you know all the awful corrupt crap that regular dictators do, he's actually backed by the US, right? See, that's the US always government a worry. has propped him up. The reason being is because there's actually a lot of foreign investment and ownership of sugar plantations and also like, you know, uh, the, the black market of you know, prostitution and what have you. In Cuba, it's owned by the American mafia, right? It's profitable. It's extremely profitable. So... People in Cuba are getting screwed over by Batista's corrupt regime. There's a widening gap between the rich and the poor, and this leads people to be revolutionary. We need to throw overthrow Viva. Batista, and who's the man for the job? Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro, indeed. Fidel Actually, Castro. 
Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> didn't expect to get that right. <laughs> you, you, you got one right. Yeah, that. it's just a first for me. Well, I just don't know how to react. Well, let's see if you okay. can see how you go. Maybe maybe you're on a roll. Who knows? <laughs> okay. So Fidel Castro, he leads a revolution, right? He leads his people's revolution and overthrows Batista. Now, contrary to some of the other historical revolutions we've explored in the show so far, mm-hmm. Batista, he fares pretty well. Okay, how how so? Uh, very, very well. He fa- he leaves uh, Cuba with over three hundred million dollars worth of wealth. Wow, right? haven't okay? you done well? And he ends up living in Portugal until he's like seventy three, right? Okay, that's that's a win. As a huge was well, a horrible win. There's no justice for no. this one. So Fidel rose to power, but not everyone is happy about this. Okay, no. because there are some private landholders, the middle class, who are having their land seized by Castro's forces and then redistributed. Okay, so these people actually flee. To America, they flee to Florida. Have you ever wondered why there's so many Cubans living in and around Florida and Miami in particular? It's because in the late 50s, early 60s, they immigrated from Cuba to live in a sort of more free capitalist society. It's quite funny. I've actually, I've never thought about that ever, <laughs> but now I know. I, I, I know. It first came to my attention on the first episode of Dexter when he's talking about eating pork sandwiches and he's talking about murdering people, you know, it just, hmm, why are there so many pork sandwiches? <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so this immigration, these expats, right? This raises the alarm bell for the then American president to white Eisenhower. Okay? Right. So he's the president during 1960. And Eisenhower then hatches this plot, this plot to train these expatriates, these Cuban expatriates, to train some of them to start a counter-revolutionary movement. Against Castro. Against Castro. Oh, controversial. Now, why would they be doing that? It's not just purely because of immigration. It's not that they just didn't want Cubans living in America. It was because Castro was demonstrating communist Tendencies. Oh well, you can't have that. I mean, America was in wars with Russia for many a year over communism. Well, this is like this is the Cold War, man. This is this like is a, this is right in the, the thick height of it. it. So this reminds me back of uh, the the a couple of weeks ago we were talking about competing stories, competing models of reality, capitalism versus communism. This it doesn't doesn't get more binary than this. Okay, so the Americans they need to do something about this communist state that's emerging to its southeast as well. Now. It doesn't actually... We're not at our date in history yet. We're not? No. The invasion actually happens on the 17th of April, 1961. We're still in the 60s. Okay. Before we can get to that, we need a new American president. And who's the man for the job? JFK. JFK, indeed. Now, the thing is, JFK inherits this secret plan... Imagine, from Eisenhower imagine your to reinvade Cuba. Office. You're just like, hey, so let's see. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, butter is ordered for the president... Let's see, CIA agents from Cuba. Just going down the list, it turns out aliens are real. (laughs) Area 51. (laughs) Area 51. CIA Cubans. So so JFK inherits this plan. He needs to then execute this plan to spark this counter-revolutionary movement in Cuba. Now, Mm. he's convinced of it because he's convinced by the then leader of the CIA, this guy called Alan Dulles. He's convinced... Classic Alan. Alan convinces him that the people in Cuba actually aren't happy with Castro. They want to have a a counter-revolution, which makes no sense, right? They've just had a revolution, right? It's classic America just putting its nose where it does not belong. Right. So they are convinced that this will work, but 
Well, as we're about to find out, it doesn't really work. <laughs> so we fast forward from the election of JFK. We then move further forward to the 15th of April. Now, this is where the um, the operation actually begins. Okay. Up until this point, the, um, Eisenhower had sent these expats, these people to be trained in Nicaragua. They've been training. Uh, it's funded by the US. And they've been trained by the CIA. They're, they're, they're very good fighters now. But... On the 15th, this is when eight planes fly mm-hmm. from Nicaragua, which is to the southwest of Cuba. They fly from Nicaragua and they bomb airfields in Cuba. Okay. Uh, but, oh no. But, 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 these planes, <laughs> these planes are American planes, but they've been disguised to look like Cuban planes, right? Okay. Okay. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Now, these planes, they were uh, CIA photo planes, right? These are uh, uh, World War One B-26 bombers. And they were painted to look like the Cuban planes. Um, but the, the, the attack happened, right? And Cuba is on a high alert, okay? They yep. know another actual legitimate attack is going to happen. Now, the class thing about this attack is a plane got shot down. One of the eight got shut down. So they sent a ninth plane in, right? And they made it look as though it had been shot with fake bullet holes. And then they made that fake Cuban plane defect to America. So anyone observing from Cuba, it made it seem as though that Cubans had defected upon themselves and then flown over to America. So America is trying confusing. to like... Make it seem as though they're not involved, but they're quite clearly involved. It sounds know, the like they're putting in a lot of effort to try and cover this up. We're really in the first place. They just shouldn't have done anything, really. Yeah. So it was a bit of a mess. And then things just get worse and worse. Long story short, 17th of April, 1961, these expats, they come and they land in the Bay of Pigs. Okay? Right. These are CIA agent trained mm-hmm. Cubans mm-hmm. who live in America. Mm-hmm. And right. the counter-revolutionary forces, they come to spark the revolution and take back Cuba from Castro, and they fail miserably. Right? <laughs> okay. Within 78 hours, 1,100, over 1,100 of these people have been captured by the Cuban forces. Over 100 of them have died as well. This is right? not good odds. It is not good at all. So... What do you do if you're JFK and you've just had your secret mission totally blown out of the water? It's very simple. Send more planes. Well, that was one argument. And that was what uh, the CIA would have wanted JFK to do. But he didn't want to do that because the Americans and the Soviets were in this very tense state Mm. where if they escalated, then it could actually lead to that mutually assured self-destruction because they had nuclear weapons, right? They did. They were pointing at each other. But this is prior to the Cuban Missile Crisis, I should point out as well. But here's the point. So JFK doesn't want to use aggression. So what does he do? He Uh, pays bails a ransom. Oh God! How much did he pay? Fifty-three million US dollars. Okay, that's a decent amount of money. In 1961, that translates to about four hundred and eighty million US dollars now. That's uh, probably more money than anyone I know will ever see ever. (laughs) It's it's quite a bit, right? So uh, that's to get those expats back and. The U.S. looks horribly weak in the face of it as well. So America, after yeah. World War Two, America does not do well. Vietnam War, Bay, well, Bay of Pigs. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe like maybe they've um, had a few slips along the way, but they are the biggest economy in the world. They're, they are a superpower. <laughs> You've you just told me that they tried to create CIA double agents yeah. in order to infiltrate their own country. I don't. I just don't think that's cool. 
That's like <laughs> that's like on the rule of like cool countries. You know, like in The Simpsons, they say, "Oh, China used to be cool." America, this is not abiding by the cool rules. No, I think it's pretty cool. I, I love the secrets. I love the lies. I love the deception. I love the uh, the cloak and dagger approach to diplomacy. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Bay of Pigs. Very, very scary. Pig. Very scary to the lengths that America will go to make sure that they have control of everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that scares me. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. But after this, something that will make you sleep at night, after a long, hard marathon. Oh. That's right. The Boston Marathon. We'll be speaking about that right after this. Welcome back to Before You Were Born. Harry and Nash with you here. Now, in case you just missed it, we were talking about April 17th, 1961, the US-backed invasion of the Bay of Pigs. If you missed it, check it out on our SoundCloud, our Facebook. Instagram is yet to come, but when you do get it, oh, oh, your boys will will, will be there. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Now, what are we exploring right now, Harry? We're exploring the Boston Marathon. So those that don't know, very famous marathon, 42 kilometers, um, I think is the length of a marathon. Right. It is. Okay. This is a fact. (laughs) Can confirm. (laughs) Um, Right. 1980. Yeah. A young lady called Rosie Ruiz, out of nowhere, wins the Boston Marathon. She was ranked 50th, right? There was 488 contenders. She was ranked 50th. Yeah. It's, it very seldom happens that you'd have someone that finishes 50th to qualify would win the marathon. Marathon. So, of course, everyone's very excited about this. I bet, yeah. Because she's come out of nowhere. She's the true underdog. And she wins it. She so she, so just to clarify, she isn't winning the women's division. She's winning the whole thing. No, the women's division. Ah, There's like two separate okay. divisions. Okay. But she also sets the third fastest female time ever. It's in the top three. Okay. So she's done it really fast, out of nowhere, underdog. Everyone loves her. Okay. So who is this mysterious athletic god? Um, one thing she isn't is a marathon runner. So A, a what? <laughs> Rosie Ruiz is probably one of the best cheaters in Boston Marathon, actually in any sport history. She cheated. She did indeed. Oh, yes. So, (laughs) Rosie Ruiz, of course, came out of nowhere. And I'll tell you the end before I tell you how she cheated. Okay. At the end of the race, she's barely broken a sweat, but she looks like she's a bit tired. And she has an interview with the news channel. And they go, so how do you train for this? You know, how did you get ready? Are you doing interval trainings? Because you're, you know, you're 20 minutes better than your New York marathon qualifier. And she yeah, goes, right. uh, someone asked me this before, what is interval training? Oh my God. Now, people that run marathons, they, they know what interval... know what high intensity interval yeah. training is. Makes you better at running, yeah, right? right? Not only that, she said she'd only been training for 18 months. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to train for 18 months, there is no way I could run 42 Ks. That's a lot of cases. And finish in two, and like finish best no, in the world. You no, know, Harry, I think you could. I believe in you. It's it's very hard to do. So you, she, you can't see it, dear listener, but Harry's got quite long legs. <laughs> yeah, that's long. true. <laughs> the reason she was actually undone, she was awarded the medal, made the news, everything. But yeah. a couple of hours later, someone came forward. They said, I saw this lady burst from the crowd with a bib on. About a mile before the finish line, Rosie has burst through the crowd and run the last mile. She had tried to time it. It's speculation. She tried to time it so that she'd go in with the pack, but ended up being too far ahead. So she was quite far in front of everyone else and then finished the race. She came first. So did she actually start at the starting line or did she have like a body double or something? No, she started at the start of the race. Right. Ducked off about... I don't know but how then long. how did in. she beat everybody to the end? She burst through the crowd. I think it was on... So is it like a U-shape and then she just cut through or something like that? This is the thing. 
There's a lot of speculation. She oh, okay. has never admitted that to she cheating. Did it. Not. It's been about. <laughs> well, then how can they prove that she cheated? Years. Then. Because there's a lot of witness testimony. She wasn't captured in any of the video or any of the check-in spots. So oh, there's six check-in okay. spots, no video, no check-in, nothing. Oh, okay. Just the last mile. And everyone was very confused because they were like, well, how did we not get you checking in? Like, what was this? But you know what? You won. That's great. So it was taken away from her. Wow. Not one. And, you know, that's, that's amazing. She was a runner out of nowhere, cheated, won her way. It gets better. Okay. <laughs> she has done this before. Let's go back to 1979. Okay. Her qualifying marathon, the New York Marathon. Yeah, okay. So she has to finish in the top 25 in order to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Right. So she does, which is great. You know, someone How out of convenient. nowhere that has never <laughs> never really run before just decided to do the New York Marathon, top 25, qualifies for Boston. How did she do this? Well, she obviously, again, did not say that she had cheated. Yeah. Instead... A photographer from the New York Marathon came forward and said, I was on the subway standing next to Rosie and saying, hey, you've got a bib on. Were you competing? She's, and she replied, this is all speculation, of course. Oh, don't feel great. Dropped out of the race. Photographer obviously thought, oh, she's not finishing. Rosie cuts in after taking the subway for, it's speculated, 10 miles. Jesus. That is a big, that's like two... 22 kilometers. That's yeah. a big chunk of a marathon. That's nearly half, right? And got her to qualify. So, this lady that has gotten in the top three times for the Boston Marathon, top 25 finish for the New York Marathon, cheated both times. And it caused <laughs> controversy everywhere because she never admitted to cheating. Now, of course, the Simpson Simpsons make fun of this, but cheats in a marathon yeah, and, and wins yeah. first with a moustache. It's great. But that's exactly what Rosie did. How how old was she at this point? Was it was it, was it like... I think she was 26. Okay, because I mean, if, if, if Rosie was in her, you know, late 40s or maybe <laughs> her late 50s and she was winning the marathon, then it would be more suspect to be like, how is this lady doing it? But if she's like, you know, she's the right age enough, for a marathon runner. You could potentially believe it, yeah. But it's still like I'd love to see Rosie because I think Rosie, that's like one of those names like Agatha. Yeah. I imagine like this 80-year-old woman with a walking <laughs> frame. Oh, yes, oh, I just managed to like cross over the line. She manages to top 25. Yeah, blitz the competition. But you know what I found interesting about Rosie and it got me thinking a bit. People that cheat in marathons because like surely it's harder to do. 20 years later, it's not harder. We're, to, we're going to 1999 now. Okay. And we're going to South Africa for the Comrades Marathon. This is a 90-kilometer marathon. It's a big one. Wow. Is that like, that's a triple marathon. It's, it's huge. Well, it's a double marathon, but it's big. Okay, sorry. This man called Sergio Mott Sonneging. Yep. I'm butchering that name, but that's his. Let's call him Sergio, right? Well, he doesn't deserve our respect. He's a cheater. <laughs> he did cheat. What he did was. Um, he ran for the first 25 minutes of the marathon, went into a cubicle, changed the bib with his identical brother. His brother ran a section, change again, <sighs> finishes the race. Oh, my God. He was awarded the prize, right? Had they figure it out? They looked at a picture of both of him at different stages in the race. Yeah. Watch was on a different hand, different type of watch. So without that watch, wouldn't have known. So you're thinking now, okay, so they're getting a bit more privy to it. They're getting a bit better. Yeah. No. Still happens? 2017. This year, in <laughs> February, in the Fort Lauderdale Half Marathon, Jane Seo, nice lady, yeah. does a great job, yeah. manages to come second. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure she comes second. Right. 
and she's very happy and all these things. And then there's a bit of speculation. How did she do so well? They have a look at her Fitbit, which was on in a picture that was taken. Yeah. And the Fitbit showed that she <laughs> Revealed only, <all. laughs> only ran, she ran, I think it was like three kilometers less than was the actual marathon. So half a marathon is 21 Ks. She must have run about 19, 20 Ks. And they, so they asked her and they're like, why, why, why does it say less? And she, she goes, oh, I was tired. So I took a shortcut, but I felt, I felt swept up with the whole emotion that I couldn't, I couldn't say no to getting the prize for second. Oh my God. You'd think they'd get better with it now. So the surveillance about marathons are so high tech now because they're so worried the people that people are going to cheat. Well, I mean, this, this sort of. Undoes all my plans for cheating the city <laughs> to surf this year, but um, it's just impossible. Wow! But it got me thinking. Marathons, yeah, they're very exciting. Me and you, oh, no. we're not fit enough to do a marathon. No, we're, what about, we're definitely not, Harry. What about if we did a a, a tenter marathon? That's one tenth. A what? A one tenth of a marathon. So that's like four kilometers from <sighs> from the UTS studios in Broadway all the way to Circular K. That sounds the winner like, uh, gets a prize. The loser, shamed forever. I'm, I'm taking this. Okay, okay all right. Yeah, all right. Okay. Oh, so geez. we're going to do our very own Boston Marathon in Sydney. I, you know, the reason I started doing radio, the reason I started doing radio, media, any of this sort of stuff was so that I had a job where I sat on my ass all day. Yeah. Okay. And this is going out of our way to undo that. No, I think we have to, we have to right (laughs) the wrongs of Rosie. I think we have to show people that marathons should be run in entirety. Can I tell you a story? You may. Uh, Back when I was in high school. Mm. I'm sure you had a similar experience. You had had cross country, right? State cross country. So, uh, my school, the way we did it, was the entire school had to run from our school over to the local lake, and that was about seven kilometers there. That's a while. Okay. Yeah. So, what I used to do was I would fill my backpack with cans of Coke and lollies and water because the majority of students wouldn't run, they would walk. And me and my mate, we would sprint as hard and as fast as we could with our bags full of lollies yeah. and water and whatnot. And then we'd get to about 2Ks ahead of everyone. And then we'd sit and wait for all the walkers to come by. And we'd sell them drinks out of our backpacks. <laughs> and it was, an, it was a great way to make 50 bucks in five minutes. It That's probably awesome. one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. It was awesome. Ever. And then I had some friends as well who were very similar. Maybe they were inspired by our dear friend Rosie <laughs> yeah. because they did the exact same thing. They'd sprint, catch the bus... Is, and make it in no, record time. We are showing the world that marathons should be done properly. We're going to do the first ever city marathon. Okay. It's going to happen. The first ever the first, city marathon. That is four kilometres. Well, it sounds good. Uh, Harry, we'll come back with some more legitimate bits of history. Some fast facts, I think. Yeah. Right after this. Welcome back to Before You Were Born. We just had a quick chat about Rosie Ruiz. I think my new hero. <laughs> She's definitely 100%. one of mine. She cheated on the Boston Marathon and came first by only running about a mile of the entire she would, course. She's actually stolen my heart. She's know? great. <laughs> um, and she's inspired us to do a real-life marathon, 4Ks, not the 42 now that is needed. in earnest. Do yeah. it truly. But mm. now, Nash, let's move on to one of our favourite, if not only, segments. I think only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, only segments. Uh, and that is Fast, fast Facts. facts. All right. 
Up first, April 17th, this is in 1790, Benjamin Franklin dies. Now, Benjamin Franklin, of course, was one of the founding fathers of the U.S. Uh, he's a renowned polymath. So a polymath is someone who does a lot of stuff, right? So he was a author, a politician, a political theorist. He was uh, the postmaster general. He was just... Is that a- from that song? I am what? the very image of a postmaster general. No. Ah, that was close. <laughs> I am the very model of a modern major general. That's the one. Ah, oh, damn it. Information animal. I really did think it was the same mineral. thing. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, he dies. Uh, I don't have Oh, yeah, anything. he died. <laughs> he died. <laughs> On the 17th. Moving right ahead to the 18th, 1906, was the Great Earthquake of San Francisco. Huge. Um, now, this one was 7.8 on the Richter scale. It destroyed 80% of the city and 3,000 people died. Now, thankfully, thankfully, this was back when, you know, it was a lot smaller, right? Yeah. A lot smaller. Had it been in 2006 instead of 1906, there would have been a lot more casualties. Yeah, that is correct. There are more people now than there was a century ago. Thank you. And it's Nash. a real problem. I think we need to like start doing something about it. Yeah. All right. Let's not go there. Moving on to April nineteenth, nineteen forty-three, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. It begins, which is very exciting. The Warsaw Ghetto was, of course, one of the biggest ghettos in Poland during World War Two, home to many Jewish people. And on this day in history, they began to fight back and try and not get deported to the concentration camps. Um, a very important female that was at the head of this, Zivia Lubensky, mm-hmm. who, of course, was the only female in high command in the Polish-Jewish resistance. And she survived the war. So all around, just awesome person. And on this day, she helped start that revolution. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. On this day as well, in 2002, can't go past this. You don't eat no meat. You don't eat no meat. <laughs> That's okay. Windex will solve everything. <laughs> My big fat Greek wedding is released. Of course, had a sequel. Not good. <laughs> no. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about that movie is that I've seen it like 50 times. Yeah, because it's, like, it's one it's of like my cool mum's runnings. favorite movies. Yeah. And like, it's just been done to death. Too it's, much. It's also like when you watch um, the, the, the relationship here is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. The Mamma Mia musical is set in Greek islands. Uh, okay. That is another one that is play on repeat. All oh time. my God. It's, just, it's just ruined it for me. <laughs> I've seen it way too many times. Yeah, it's a bit too much. April 20, 1980, Castro announces Mariel Boatlift. And of course, we were speaking about old Fidel before. In what's, 19- what's Mariel Boatlift? So it's when Castro said, if you want to leave Cuba, get out of here. And boatloads of people, 125,000 people, fled to America under the the guidance of the Cuban government. So they were like, if you don't like it, there's leave. the door. Leave. And people left. And they did. <laughs> they did indeed. Wow, okay. Moving ahead to April 21, 753 BC. Now, this is bound to be highly contentious, but guess what? Today, on the 21st of April, Rome was founded. And guess what? They built it in a day too, Harry. Yeah. I feel like if I can say that on this day that Rome was founded, they built it in the same yeah, day Yeah, Rome was well. built Why in a day. You heard it here first. Why not? That That's, has to be so contentious, surely. Oh, it is. It is. And there's quite a few different stories. There's two main ones about Rome's founding, but we don't have time to get into it. This is fast facts. We've got All to right. move right ahead All to right. April 22. Nothing interesting happened. 23. Something very interesting happened. 1564, my mate and person that gave me nightmares as I slept during high school, William Shakespeare was, was born. The bully at your high school, was he? He wasn't, but I had to study <laughs> a lot of his texts. Ah. Now, something interesting about Shakespeare that you might not know, converted into a lot of languages, but one of them 
was Klingon from the TV show Star Trek. Seriously? Yep. Um, Hamlet was actually translated into Klingon, which is one just... of the highly useful bits of like human <laughs> brain. Power. People waste a lot of their oh time. My God. And that brings us to the end of Fast Facts for another week. Harry, we've had a big week this week. We have. We spoke about the Bay of Pigs, of course, secret CIA Mm -hmm. in Cuba. Mm -hmm. We spoke about Rosie Ruiz, who, of course, cheated in the Boston Marathon, getting us to do our own real-life marathon, only 4.2Ks, but good enough. And, of course, Fast Facts. We'll be back this time next week. With more from a time before you were born.